I'm Brian Santo, EE Times Editor-in-Chief. You're listening to EE Times On Air. And this is the weekly briefing for the week ending August 20th. Through its 25 years as an independent company, On Semiconductor built itself into a large supplier of a wide range of semiconductor products. The guy who built the company was former CEO Keith Jackson, who announced his retirement last fall. The company handed over the reins to Hassan Al-Khouri, who was tasked with taking the company to the next level. This week, our guest is Hassan Al-Khouri, former CEO of Cypress Semiconductor and the new CEO of On Semiconductor, which was recently renamed as simply On Semi. We talk about the transformation of On Semi, competing for the same opportunities everyone else has identified, and the company's commitment to sustainability. Before we get to our interview with Alcori, here are some of the stories you can find in EE Times this week. We often refer to artificial intelligence as if it were a single thing. And from one standpoint, AI is one thing. It's machines that can learn. But looked at another way, there are actually thousands of AIs because each instance of an artificial intelligence is optimized to perform a specific task or perhaps a few very similar tasks. An AI that is built to help identify images captured by a video camera might not be suitable for a medical wearable. The way the tasks are solved might fall into two entirely different solution categories. At present, there are no AIs that can learn several different types of tasks. We've got a story this week about a new program administered by the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA, to develop a generalized AI. Samsung is one of the three top semiconductor manufacturers in the world. The company just started dangling the prospect of building more fabs in the United States. Read our story to find out about the strings attached to the offer. Quantum computing could be a true game changer, providing enough compute power to tackle problems we can't even begin to solve today. A Canadian startup called Xanadu is combining with IMEC, one of the world's leading research institutions, on the development of an exotic, photonic form of the basic compute element of quantum machines, the qubit. Also, we've got the latest installment of our Artful Engineer video series, which explores the interesting intersections of engineering and the arts. This time around, Junko Yoshida interviews the CEO of EDA company Pulsic. He's a weekend rocker. Party on, Garth. For all these stories and more industry news and analysis, visit our website at eetimes.com. If you're on this podcast episode's webpage, look to your left and you'll see links to all of these stories we mentioned today. In 1999, Motorola spun out the part of its semiconductor business dedicated to commodity products. That spinoff named itself On Semiconductor. Five years later, in 2004, Motorola spun off its remaining semiconductor operations. That company became Freescale Semiconductor. It was a quirk of history that Motorola stood up two new separate independent companies in an era when the trend was industry consolidation. Both companies were sucked up into that merger and acquisition frenzy, though, though in opposite ways. 
Freescale was ultimately merged into NXP in 2015. On Semiconductor, meanwhile, became an inquirer, buying one cast-off operation and down-on-its-luck semiconductor company after another, at a pace of about one every year. Among On Semiconductor's acquisitions were AMI Semiconductor, Catalyst Semiconductor, California Micro Devices, Sanyo Semiconductor, and Quantena, along with one of the more storied names in semiconductor history, Fairchild Semiconductor. Former CEO Keith Jackson was the architect of this kludge, but he got the parts working well enough together that for the last few years, On Semiconductor has been right at the cutoff point for the Fortune 500. Then, as 2020 was drawing to a close, Jackson announced his retirement. A few months later, in December, the company announced Hassan Al-Khori would be Jackson's successor. Al-Khori made his bones soaring up the corporate ladder at Cypress Semiconductor in record time. He joined the engineering staff in 2007 and just nine years later took over as CEO from the company's founder, the legendary T.J. Rogers. Four years after that, in 2020, Al-Khori engineered the sale of Cypress to Infineon for $9 billion. Al-Khori has been on the job at On Semiconductor for nine months, and he's already got his plan to transform the company. That includes transforming the company's name. Here's my interview with Hassan Al-Khori. On Semi recently rebranded. Um, it was seemingly a tweak, but uh, perhaps it was something deeper than that. Tell us about what went into the rebranding. What, what was the idea there? Look, when we uh, when I when I first joined and we started talking about the strategy and where uh, we're going to be headed, uh, not too far from where we are as far as you know the markets and, and technology to a first order, but it is definitely a big change that we're uh, we're going through. And part of that change is the brand assessment that we've done, what we stand for in the market, what our brand stands. Um, mm-hmm. And we have a solid brand. We have a good uh, reputation for uh, uh, for quality, good reputation for uh, technology. Uh, so we didn't want to deviate too much from it. However, Brand Refresh was a good indication for not just our employees, but also our customers and our, our stakeholders that we are going through a change uh, and that changes to a better place. And I think that look and feel of the new brand, you know, the cleanliness of it, the, you know, the color of it uh, is a good indication of, uh, of how we feel about it. Interestingly enough, uh, it, you didn't change the name. It's not like all of a sudden you're Agilent or, you know, Eximlovla, whatever, whatever words are left uh, to, to pick up. Uh, it's still, uh, it's still on semi. Uh, with uh, no space between the two, the two, uh, two words, um, was continuity um, one of the considerations in figuring out uh, what you wanted to do with the company and the strategy discussions that you had with your colleagues and stakeholders? Yeah, I mean, if you if you think about where we are, you know, a lot of people refer to me uh, coming into uh, on semi as. Hey, it's a it's a turnaround. It's uh, you know it's it's needs to get into a better place and so on. Which is which is really not the case. What we are going through is a transformation, not a turnaround. You know, the company uh, was operating. Of course, there's always uh, improvements that we need to make operationally. There are improvements of how we execute to our own strategy. But 
Therefore, it's a transformation because it's a, a step-level improvement that uh, we're looking at making. Uh, so you don't want to just go and throw the baby out with the bathwater. We had to focus on what really matters. And what really matters is the continuity. Uh, we have a lot of internal stakeholders that put in a lot of effort uh, into the company uh, before I even uh, uh, joined. That continuity is important for me because that's the same uh, talent, the same people, and the same teams that are going to propel us in the next, uh, uh, you know, phase of uh, of the company's evolution. So between a transformation and the turnaround is the distance that we decided to take when we talk about the rebranding and and even the logo and the name. Can't go too far. Uh, that will not that you lose a lot of the brand equity that we've already built. But it can't be the same because we are going through a transformation. Your predecessor, Keith Jackson, uh, did a tremendous job accumulating a number of other companies and, and building an extraordinary company with a very broad portfolio. Is that an accurate assessment of, yeah, okay, uh, I see yeah. you nodding. So the next question is, um, what's... Uh, can, can I get you to discuss what the, the transformation you foresee being? What, what, is it, uh, what is it that you and your colleagues would like to do with, with OnSemi moving forward? So if you look at the first step we wanted to take is figure out what assets we have that bring value to the customers, uh, bring value uh, to the market or the, the solutions that we provide. Uh, that was where we first started of looking at what is it that differentiates us? And part of that was me personally going and talking to customers and asking the very simple question of why do you choose on semi? Uh, what is it about, you know, the products, the people, what, just an open-ended question. And what came back is very specific needs that we are able to uh, service for our customers by solving complex problems. Now we do that by making sure we add the value. So that's where the focus has been. And I use the term focus because like you said, we historically have been a collection of a lot of technologies for a broad set of customers in a very broad market. Um, although automotive and industrial were uh, the biggest markets that we have historically served and we continue to serve those, uh, there was a lot of focus on uh, consumer, on com compute, on a lot of these things which uh, deviate from the focus that we need to do. Uh, I use the term dabble. Uh, we don't dabble. OnSemi does not dabble uh, moving forward. We're going to pick, and we have picked the technologies and the markets we will serve, and we will double down on them, which means that we're going to invest in those key technologies in these key markets in order to maintain the leadership we have. And in certain cases, leapfrog some of the uh, market solutions that are out there. That focus is what brings the value and that value translates into success for the company. Um, can I intuit from what you just told us that uh, there's a possibility that you might downgrade or or even divest some of the, the business lines that uh, that OnSemi has accumulated thus far? Uh, look, I don't look at it as uh, product lines. I look at it as product mm -hmm. slash, cost, uh, slash uh, uh, market. Okay. And what, what does that mean? You know, in Analyst Day uh, a couple of weeks ago, we 
already stated that there's this other category uh, that's going to be declining about 15% over the next five years. Now, most of that decline is going to happen over the next couple of years. Uh, that's going to come from us focusing on the technologies and the markets that we want to serve at the expense of markets that are no longer strategic for us with technologies that what I call non-core. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you do that? How do you uh, uh, cause that decline of 15%? There are multiple ways to do it. One is you just move the capacity because we do our own manufacturing to uh, you know to about 70% is our own. We will start moving that capacity to the markets and the technologies that we want to sustain over the and grow over the next uh, five years away from how we used to historically serve those uh, markets with our manufacturing footprint. So a shift or what we call a mixed shift is going to happen. It already started happening. You see it in our results already with margin improving is really changing that mix to uh, value-based products. In certain areas, it may be a possibility to divest. Um, That's going to be really on the complexity of how embedded those technologies are. And to give you an example of what I mean by embedded, you know, if I have a wafer that has just, let's call it simply a MOSFET in it, half of that wafer goes to auto, the other half goes to a non-core market. Well, moving forward, I'm just going to sell that whole wafer to an automotive uh, market. So I'm not really divesting that non-core business, I am shifting it. And that's going to decline 15% in certain areas and moving into others. Okay. Um, so uh, if I recall correctly, you mentioned that the two, uh, the two areas that uh, you considered core that you mentioned were industrial and automotive. Is that correct? That's right. That's are, the, right. are those going to be the two or do you have other other uh, products and markets that you wanted to focus on? So the way I look at the market, there, those are the two. And what we've said is over the next five years, those two markets will become 75% of our revenue composition. So that leaves the, you know, a 25% that the third market we'll be growing into is the cloud and 5G market, mm-hmm. where we have what I call adjacency. Mm-hmm. Where you know I talk about focus, a lot of the products that we have to make in uh, automotive and industrial service the cloud and 5G market, and that's going to grow for us at an 11% rate over the next uh, five years. Beyond that, it kind of starts becoming opportunistic, where if there's value, we will definitely provide it, but you're not going to see us making products specifically for these markets because our R&D dollars and the capital allocation is going to be really on the auto and industrial. And that comes with the focus uh, as part of the strategic conversation we just had. Okay. So um, (laughs) those are uh, three enormous opportunities identified by many of your competitors as well. Um, um, I think it's fascinating. Uh, you just mentioned the point of R and D, and perhaps le- and earlier you mentioned perhaps leapfrogging some of the competition. Um, that's going to be tough. Can I get you to ask about what some of the uh, the technical competencies of OnSemi uh, that OnSemi has that you feel you can bring to bear on on making OnSemi competitive with a lot of other companies that see the same same opportunities? 
Look, you know, that that's that's a great question because I now the good thing is I've asked I've been asked that question a couple of times. So I got a good answer for it. Oh no, was that a softball? I didn't I... <laughs> but but look, you know, people the 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 question is is really on okay, auto and industrial. Almost every company in semi says auto and industrial. And uh, so you just started, how are you gonna get there? And my point is uh, that's actually a credibility. Uh, gained for us because a lot of my peers have been doing auto and industrial for how long? I think the last one that was rebranded, you know, five, seven, eight years. And look, we're still around and we're outgrowing them in auto and industrial. So it's nothing new, new for us. And we have what it takes to win. So that's why I started the conversation with, we didn't shift away from our, you know, kind of core markets. We've added the focus. So think about it this way. We've been doing just fine, not dabbling, but being spread too thin across multiple markets with a lot of technologies. Imagine what we can do when we actually focus and put our mind to it. So we have the, uh, call it the building blocks. We have the technology. Uh, I went personally through it, you know, the first kind of few months because I needed to make sure what are the tools I'm, I'm working with here. And that was why I called the customers directly. You know, marketing can tell you they got the best thing on earth, but the customer is where the credibility comes in. Right. So I called, I contacted the customers. I, I validated a lot of the claims. They all were true. Uh, and that's why it gives me the confidence. So a lot of it is, you know, the technology, the baseline technology, the efficiency we can drive through our technology is really what is the focus for our customers. When you talk about electrification, you know, efficiency is key. Uh, across the board, across the whole electric chain, right? From generating the power to making the car to charging the vehicle. Efficiency is the foundation. And we have the best efficiency in the market today. So we already got there. We need to keep our R&D focused on those to maintain that leadership that we already have. The other thing we have, which people don't really relate to technology, is the packaging technology. Uh, mm. Being able to package, I mean, think about the power density. You're talking about 300 kilowatts of power that you need to package, and it can look like a utility uh, building <laughs> because you got to put it in a car. So that packaging technology, that power density we're able to put in there is also a very big competitive advantage that we have, and we're going to put focus on that and maintain that leadership. But I'm not worried about, you know, who's out there doing auto and industrial. We'll, we'll, we'll stand up to the best of them. And we have and we will keep that. All right. Um, I want to shift the conversation a little bit. Um, on Semi, for quite some time now, has been uh, dedicated to and recognized for um, its, uh, its sustainability practices. And um, you just went out uh, talking to your customers. Um, I want to ask you about your customer response to that reputation. Does is that is that like, oh yeah, that's great. Tell me how many kilowatts you can force into that package, or is is there any enthusiasm there? Is is, is do do your customers feel that your sustainability practices are part of the brand? Uh, look, uh, uh, the range is is wide, right? Yeah. It okay. On, on the region, it depends on the market. You know, yeah. if you look at a lot of companies, uh, 
And it's not really by size, it's it's by intent. Mm-hmm. If you look at all, a lot of our customers, they have their own sustainability uh, metrics, their own sustainability goals, and uh, it's part of their own strategies. Those have been uh, you know, very excited about not just the work we have been doing, but the renewed focus and the commitment that we've made a couple of weeks ago uh, to be net zero by 2040. That went a long way of, okay, here's a company in the semiconductor industry uh, that's, you know, putting their money where their mouth is, really. <laughs> you know, right. that's, that's, that's a big commitment. And I don't take that very lightly. Uh, you know, there was a lot of time spent because like you said, we've been doing it. Why would I go and put ourselves out there like that? Well, first I said it was the right thing to do. But second, it is a commitment that we have to make, and it's a message to all of our own teams of how we're going to be behave and be, you know, call it climate responsible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of thought was put into that. Uh, there's obviously involvement from the executive team across the board, all employees worldwide, from our manufacturing footprint to just our offices, uh, but also the board. Uh, so it is a true commitment that we're going to be following through. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of learning in those uh, th- that field. Uh, we're getting the help we need externally. We have a team dedicated to it internally, and we're going to keep pushing that. Uh, but I think more and more customers are going to realize this is important. They have to take a stand. And what, what better way to take a stand than to partner with us as OnSemi, because we've already taken the stand. It makes their mission easier. Um, Can I ask you to talk about the distinction between sustainability, um, supporting sustainability among your customers? For example, you mentioned uh, the the, uh, 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 industry-leading efficiency you have in some of your automotive products, and then uh, versus sustainability with your own practices um, Ansemi is one of the one of the smaller handful of, of companies that does its own manufacturing, for example. So can I ask you to talk about the two aspects of, of sustainability? Yeah. So one one way, let me cover the customer, because that's you know, from a complexity level, it's less hmm. complex because we do it through technology. We do it through, you know, I said packaging that I include in technology, you know, smaller package, smaller material, smaller material is good. So we're able to do that and allow our customers to achieve their sustainability metric, whatever it is, because it is broad. Mm. Uh, We're able to help them do that. Now, for example, if our customer is an industrial uh, uh, density and throughput of the factory using lower power Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. a, a benefit. So not just on the product, but how they make the products, we're able to help with that. Now, from our own internal, of course, we have uh, factories. We have to first is reduce the consumption, reduce the utilization. Second is we have to offset that utilization with renewable energy. You can't just say, yeah, you know, everything is the same. We'll just go and and buy the credit and and the world is a better place. That doesn't work when you're net zero, right? Which is, you know, I said there's a lot of thought that went into, you know, net zero or carbon neutral, right? There. They're all, you know, good taglines, but one is very hard. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Right. So we have to look at our own footprint and what energy do we use? What do we use it for? How can we improve our factories to better the output at lower uh, uh, utilization? 
for, for the grid? How do we offset the grid? All of these are investments and work that we have to make on our own footprint. And not just manufacturing, obviously, offices, you know, everything we use, uh, travel, business travel, car rental. I mean, mm-hmm. think about the complexity of driving that simple tagline, right, that I put out there, the complexity of how we need to transform the way we look and run our business on a day-to-day basis. That's what we have to do. And that's what we have the plan. And that's why we're starting to work on the deployment of how to do that. And, you know, we're not going to hide behind a, a marketing uh, tagline. What we have is already started doing the disclosures, which actually started before the tagline. You know, mm-hmm. we did a press release on uh, our financial disclosure as it retains to relates to sustainability. We're going to be doing that more because that's a commitment of full transparency that we have done. Right. Right. Once, once you make it part of your financials, you've got, Wall Street, making sure you're living up to you what you've like committed said, to, right? We're, we're putting our money where our mouth is. It wasn't a marketing <laughs> gig. It was a true transformation of how we're going to be operating. Yeah. Um, so as one, as one of that small handful of companies that makes its own products, um, this is an open-ended question uh, about uh, the supply chain. Um how do you feel about manufacturing uh, uh, manufacturing in the modern era? Um, does it uh, how's the supply chain working out? Is it seen to be sorting out in such a manner? The last admin- U.S. administration set it up so that there'd be two decoupled geographic markets in a way. Um, how is that going? How is OnSemi negotiating that? What would you like to see happen next? Look, from, from a uh, manufacturing side, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, we have both internal and external manufacturing. Uh, we have work to do on our internal manufacturing in analyst, during Analyst Day. Uh, Thad discussed uh, what we call Fab Lighter. We're not going to be fabless. We're not going to be 100% you know, fab. Uh, but we have to improve our current footprint. And to be honest with you, we're going to reduce our physical footprint, you know, the number of buildings that, that we run manufacturing in, mm-hmm. but we're going to have bigger scale manufacturing. So our capacity, which is servicing our growth, is going to be 1.3x higher than it is today with a lower fixed cost. So that's the transformation we have to do. Now, geopolitics, you know, I'm in technology because I can't be in politics. <laughs> you know, what, okay. what, happens, what happens in the politics, you know, we'll have to navigate it. The industry has has already proven uh, that we uh, are able to adapt. Uh, a lot of disruption, but adaptability is something we are able to do. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, today there's a lot of disruption just because of the market strength uh, that is happening uh, because of capacity. But, you know, let's say that that works itself out, you know, the next disruption is going to be where uh, the focus is going to be on the markets. And, you know, talking about disconnecting geographies, you know, we are a global industry, uh, not just a semi, uh, semiconductor. We as, as a technology is a global right. industry. So I don't know about, you know, disconnecting it. However, I do applaud the administration's effort to, you know, actually focus on semiconductor manufacturing in North America, but not just the manufacturing, 
uh, but the R&D, you know, every, every geography has a big focus on technology, whether it's investment, R&D credit, you know, a lot of push to keep the private sector invested mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. And, and, you know, what I say, double down on it. Mm-hmm. That I applaud the, the approach because that's what we need. And then the rest is, hey, let us compete at a worldwide, global, fair, global uh, basis. And innovation is going to prevail. And you know, let your R and D uh, and your output uh, decide. So I am out of the canned questions I had prepared for you. Is there anything that I haven't asked about um, about where you want to take on semi? About where you want to take technology? About where you want to help your customers get to that I haven't asked about? I, I think I think we've we've covered a lot of the uh, a lot of the baseline, a lot of foundation of what led to this transformation. Um, I think you know I tell my team, you know, getting the strategy and talking about it and putting it out there is actually ten percent of the effort. <laughs> you know, although okay. although it felt like a lot of work, and I know it was a lot of work, it was a lot of time, a lot of hours to put together. The, you know, unwind and simplify the complexity we have. Ninety uh, percent of it is in the execution, and I, what I would say is that's one thing I have zero concerns betting on my own team and the worldwide team at OnSemi. And what I say that is, before we even unveiled the uh, the, the strategy a couple of weeks ago, you've seen us deliver three quarters. The last quarter was record on every metric you can put uh, on it. Our guide. Uh, beats that record too. Uh, so we are executing. Uh, and that's just, you know, while we were changing the wheels on that bus, imagine when the bus is all pumped up and ready to go, uh, what else we can do. And that I will give the credit to uh, the team that that I have that I spoke to about earlier in the conversation, as far as we have to keep that continuity, because that's the same team that got us where we are and it's going to uh, carry us forward as well. Well, Hassan, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. You too. We've been speaking with Hassan El Khoury, CEO of OnSemi. Now, he said the company would be focusing on automotive and industrial. OnSemi recently announced a pretty big deal. It'll be supplying products to AutoX, a Chinese company developing an autonomous robo-taxi. Each AutoX vehicle will incorporate 28 of OnSemi's image sensors and four of its 3D LiDAR sensors. As noted in our conversation, OnSemi does some of its own manufacturing. Recently, the company arranged to buy a 300mm wafer fab from Global Foundries. The fab has already begun to produce ICs on OnSemi's behalf, and OnSemi has already begun shipping some of those products to customers. There's actually going to be a long transition, however. OnSemi doesn't expect to take full control of the facility until 2023 or perhaps 2024. Also, earlier I mentioned former OnSemi CEO Keith Jackson. Jackson was our guest on this podcast last fall. If you want to listen, there's a link to that episode on the podcast webpage. And there we conclude this episode of The Weekly Briefing. Thank you for listening. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes, but if you get to us via our website at eetimes.com slash podcasts, you'll find a transcript along with the links to the stories we mentioned. 
The Weekly Briefing is produced by EE Times. It was engineered by Taylor Marvin and Greg McRae at Coop Studios. The segment producer was Katie Huss. I'm Brian Santo. See you next week.